Welcome to podcasts recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. I'm glad you're all here. We're finishing up our work in Your Life Isn't For You. Seth Adam Smith, this is the young man that tried to commit suicide, and the book is about his coming to terms with what it is to actually be a loving and loved person on the planet. And his message is that when we are of service, when we're giving away our light, if you will, that that is actually how we find ourselves that through our efforts at raising up the community, we raise up our own life. We raise up our own life for us. And he ends the book um, a little bit with a challenge, challenging each one of us to find our light, our ability, if you will, to uplift the planet, to leave the planet maybe a little bit more loving or a little bit more hopeful um, than when we entered into it. And he uses a, a couple, uh, well, I would say scriptures, only you'll, you'll laugh uh, as, I, uh, as I illustrate them, uh, but a couple scriptures, if you will, about uh, how we might go about doing this. And the first one, uh, and here why it is a laugh, because because uh, we're not used to thinking of ancient uh, 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 Roman and, uh, and Greek myths as being scripture. Uh, but he tells the story of Prometheus. And uh, although it, it's mentioned in the book, and he tells the story in the book, I, I wanted, of course, to find out a little bit more. And not being a big, uh, you know, not being a, a big Greek uh, myth fellow, um, I looked up Prometheus, and he's famous for having done a couple of things. First of all, he actually is credited for creating humanity itself. So part of the myth is uh, that uh, Zeus and the other gods were overseeing the creation of all of the animals, and Prometheus is the one that thought, well, this would be an interesting kind of animal. <laughs> let's, uh, let's create this idea of humankind. And so initially in the, the Greek arena, we were just seen as one of the animals. Now what Prometheus is perhaps most known for, though, is giving humanity fire. And of course, in the ancient Greek world, the idea of fire equates to power, equates to the illumination of the human species as not just being an animal, but that idea of light being given to us, our ability to have more self-determination in the world is how we became separate from or elevated in consciousness from the rest of the animals. And so, uh, so the idea of Prometheus is that's what made us human, the idea of us having fire. And I got to tell you, Zeus wasn't happy about this. Um, the other story of Prometheus is, is probably uh, at least PG rated, and, and it's that way because Zeus was so angry that he gave away such a powerful power of self-determination um, that Prometheus was chained to a rock and doomed to every day having his liver eaten out by buzzards. And then Zeus would reanimate the liver for the next day's torment. And so I think the reason that this is in the book, the reason that this is important is sometimes giving our light also requires some sacrifice on our part. Now, uh, certainly uh, we're not being asked to, to do something as momentous as giving our lives for the purpose of others. And yet, and yet there is that sense of when we withhold 
what it is for us to do in the world, we are really putting humanity at risk. In a way, it's as though each one of us has that opportunity every day of bestowing the world with our own fire, with our own ability to do more and to be more in the world. And so um, you might say, well, but, you know, that's an interesting story, but I don't really have the resources, I don't really have the commitment, I don't really have what's necessary to make such a huge dent in the world. I'm just one person after all. And I think the answer to that is, that's how everything gets done, really, when it comes down to it. You know, we have the, I want to say, the, the thought going around that somehow people will take care of things for us. We trust people in positions of power to look after us. We trust our elected officials to do what's right. We trust in the world that, um, you know, the police are here to help us. And, and, you know, these are all good and noble ideas. And they're true as far as it goes. But all of those people are people just like us, right? Everyone on the planet actually is required if we want to move the planet up in its vibrations of love, of honesty, of joy, of peace, each one of us has a place to fulfill. And honestly, when we sit at home just kind of on the sofa and imagine that it will be taken care of for, someone, for us by someone else, we're really not doing our service to the world. I believe that each one of us has a unique light for us to shine out in the world, not just to uplift ourselves, but also to uplift the whole planet. And so when I read the, the myth of Prometheus, I, uh, I am made aware of my own edges, if you will. Does everyone know what it means to be in your safety zone or to be playing it safe? See, I think most of us go through life just playing it safe. And that doesn't mean that we don't contribute to our fellow humans, right? But most of us have found ways to do it in comfortability. We do it through our voting. We do it through, um, I don't know, having a bag of apples to hand out to people at freeway entrances. We do it through many small and easy ways that are within our comfort zone. And there's nothing wrong with this. This is how actually a lot of good stuff does get done in the world. I want to challenge you, though. I'm not asking that your liver being eaten out by buzzards every day. I, I promise you that. But I would like to suggest that perhaps it's time to get out of our comfort zone and stand up for th some of the things that are important for us. Each one of us probably has causes and groups of people and um, the planet itself, things that we stand for and that we observe may not be taken care of in the way that we would like to, whether it's... Uh, uh, whether it's uh, schools headed in the wrong direction and people not getting the quality education that we would want, whether it's uh, uh, women that still have that, that glass ceiling that is just as, as uh, well, it, you can see through it, but it's there <laughs> as it ever was. There are many things that those of us want to stand for that represent uh, equality, that represent what's doing right in the world, 
And it's time for us to do more than just give lip service to it. It's time for us to get out of our comfort zones a bit. Maybe volunteer somewhere. I, uh, you know, Aaron uh, was mentioning the volunteers that we do here, even at the center, and that is a great place to start. It's one of the ways that you can support the spiritual education of what's going on in the world. And I, I thank all of you, and many of you are volunteers here, and, and there's always room for more of that. And I would suggest also that we look at ways that we can improve our relationships in the community, uh, in the Portland area. Things right at home here that wouldn't be a huge step out of our comfort zone, you probably already know people and groups of people that could use a little extra help. The other quote um, that, uh, that Seth Adam Smith has uh, in the, the last chapter of the book is, uh, is actually scripture. It's a quote from Matthew. But, but before we get there, I want to do the joke. Where's the joke? Here we are. And for those of you who have studied the New Testament at all, you will immediately know the punchline to this joke. I'm just, I'm just saying. So there was a circus owner who was walking down the street in a tourist district, and he saw a group of people crowded around a street vendor watching a show. On the table was a pot turned upside down and a duck tap dancing on it. Now, I would... Uh, I think this is the buffalo shuffle, if I remember. So visualize a duck on top of a metal kettle, uh, tap dancing for all he's worth. Well, the circus owner was so impressed that he offered to buy the tap dancing duck from its owner, and after some haggling, they settled on $10,000. Well, a couple of days later, the circus owner returns. Your duck is a total ripoff, he says angrily. I put him up on the pot in front of the center stage at the circus. He didn't dance a single step. Nothing. Well, asked the duck's former owner, you did remember to light the candle under the pot, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, oh, I'm sorry. That was a bit stinky, wasn't it? All right. So, uh, so in Your Life Isn't For You, in the ending chapter, he also mentions that quote in Matthew about salt and light. And so I wanted to do a little bit of a, uh, of a reading, if you will, from Matthew, and we'll take it apart together. We'll do a little metaphysical analysis. So first, this is a part of the Sermon on the, on the Mount. Jesus says to his followers, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. So what is this idea of salt? First of all, we have to know that salt was actually a thing back then. Today, salt comes in everything, right? In fact, if you've noticed, even just a can of beans on the supermarket shelf, if you're not careful, it has a whole day's supply of sodium in your can of beans. We put salt in almost anything, and we do that because... It makes things taste better to most people. Most people will tell you adding a little salt makes things taste better. And so all of our food has salt in it. Go back a couple thousand years ago, salt was actually uncommon. First of all, there wasn't any prepackaged stuff. And so all of the cooking take away about 10 shades of flavor that we're used to. And spices were very very expensive, including salt. I mean, we can buy, what, 10 pounds of salt for a few bucks? Back then, the equivalent of that would have been several thousand dollars for a pound 
of Saul. So first of all, it was important because it was very expensive. There was actually a trading on the salt market, if you would, in those days. The second thing was, again, 2,000 years ago, they didn't have refrigerators. And guess what is one of the ways you could actually preserve meat and some produce by packing it in salt. In fact, for those of you going through Easter with a ham, that's where the idea of a cured ham came from. I remember when I was little, I asked my mom, well, what'd they cure it from? What was wrong with it? And, and no, the idea of curing a ham was preserving it without refrigeration. And in the old days, they did it by packing it in salt. But there's even a third meaning or a third importance to the idea of salt in the ancient world Back then, because most people didn't have salt in their diets at all, during hot weather, people would actually eat salt to help them get through the hot weather. And uh, now we don't have to do that today because we get plenty of salt without adding it, but it actually helps you survive in hot weather. It allows you to retain more fluids if there's some salt in your system. And so it had these three properties. The idea of salt represent wealth, it represent utility, and it represented extending life, actually being healthy. And so when Jesus said, you were the salt of the earth, he really was saying, oh my gosh, you people are amazingly valuable. You're valuable in terms of your worth, you're valuable in terms of what you stand for, you're valuable in your essence, what makes you, you. And that's where the phrase, the salt of the earth comes from. I'm sure you've heard the idea of, oh, she's the salt of the earth, meaning she's valuable, she's dependable, she's someone you can count on, she's really worthwhile. All right, so then he goes on and says, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? And then basically says, once something has lost its saltiness, just throw it out. So the message here is, we want to stay valuable. We want to have our value to the world. We want our saltiness to last our entire life. This is the idea of making a commitment to life that will last your life. It's a commitment to the idea of being of service, being valuable to the planet, being valuable to your friends and your family. A commitment, if you will, for the long haul to the essence of what you stand for and life itself. So let me read you the, the second part. We, we're going to switch from uh, salt to light. Then Jesus continues, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. That's our tap dancing duck, right? Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. No, instead they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that may see your good deeds and glorify God. Well, there are a couple pieces of this that are important. First of all, you need to know again that a couple thousand years ago, light itself was kind of a commodity. It wasn't just flip the switch and it's like it's daytime. I mean, we really take the idea of electrical lighting, of course, for granted. It's built into our whole scheme of things. In the olden times, when the sun set, guess what you did? 
you went to bed. Even if, and like picture us here in Oregon 2,000 years ago, well, it's 4.30 in the afternoon. It's November. It's time for bed, right? Right? It sounds crazy to us. And yet in the ancient world, the idea of candles, the idea of oil lamps represented, again, great wealth and great importance because they could illuminate the dark days so that we could actually do something beyond the time when the sun would set. So the idea of light representing illumination, the ability to do more, the ability to extend our meager time frames during the winter, these were critical ideas. It's the whole idea behind uh, the ceremony and, and, and the, the season of Hanukkah, for instance, in the Jewish faith, was we can make our light made known. And so the other piece of the quote, of course, is he's saying, when we have a light, it's not just for us. We put it on the stand so that it benefits everyone. We don't just relegate it to the tap dancing duck. It is there for all of us because it is that valuable and it is that important. Each of us represents a light. Now, I know some of you may be saying, well, I'm not sure how exactly my light is shining. I'm not really exactly sure that you can compare me with a Prometheus or someone who's going to make a big difference in the world. But the very last part of this quote says that as we shine our light, God itself is glorified. Each one of us represents an individualized center of God's, uh, God's consciousness. And so when we illuminate, God itself is illuminated. When we bring forth our gifts, no matter what those gifts are, whether it's being an amazingly talented bass player, whether it's being a, a fabulous mother, whether it's being in law enforcement, or whether it's being in the, in, in the private sector in some kind of a job that we hold, when we do what we do with honesty and integrity when we do it out of love and when we do it for the intentions of bettering everyone, we are illuminating our world. Now, I want you to think about that just for a moment. All of us have activities, right? Whether we're retired, whether we're in the workforce, whether we're not, we have the activities that we do throughout the day and we can do them in an aspect of going through the motions, or we can do them from the aspect of bringing illumination to the universe itself. When we approach our daily duties knowing that we are shining, knowing that we can do it from a place of commitment to others, knowing that we can do it from that place of love and integrity, it makes all the difference. That truly is how we glorify God. In the same way, let your light shine before others that may, they may see your good deeds and glorify God. Well, you can, I, I bet many of you can guess where we're going to go with the homework today. <laughs> first of all, it has two parts, and I'm going to take a little bit of a minute to explain it. The first part is, I want you to examine how salty you are. <laughs> it's true. I want you to go home and think about your level of saltiness. And by that, 
your commitment to and your involvement in making the planet better than when you came onto this earth. Now, I know you all have talents, you all have ways of showing up that only you and uniquely you can bring about. And I'd like you to test your own saltiness. How is it going? Are you ready maybe to take a couple classes so that you can become even more educated about something that you're passionate on, become a little more salty? Are you willing maybe to help mentor someone or to, uh, to be there for someone who maybe needs an extra hand in some way? Are you willing to become saltier in that sense? Are you willing, in essence, to give away more of yourself? So that's the salty factor. How salty are you? And what could you do to become more salty? To become more of a giver, more of a participator, more willing to share with others some of the knowledge, some of the gifts, some of the joy, and some of the love that you have. How willing and how can you change that ability to perhaps give a little more than you were before? We're back to the idea of pushing our comfort zone a little, being able to be a little more light in the world. And then the other piece of it, so that's the salt. I'd also like you to begin thinking of the illumination part, the light. So the message from Jesus, the master teacher, is we put our light on a stand so that it can shine for the whole house. And I take it meaning, you know, this isn't just for me. This isn't just for one or two other people. How can I expand the scope of what I do as well? Maybe I'm just if you will, enlightening my own grandchildren. How could I move that out into the world? Could I maybe be a storyteller at the public library and, and take my same gift for spinning yarns that so far only my grandchildren get to take advantage of? Could I do that in a bigger way? Could, I, could my philanthropy, maybe you're giving some of your time and efforts here at the church, how could you expand that out into a larger audience? Put your light, if you will, on that stand so it shines wider. So those are the two elements of uh, my desire for homework this week. Salt and light. What can we do to become a little more salty, a little more um, ourselves, if you will, and our readiness to give our gifts, and then how can we do it maybe in a slightly different way? You'll see both of these. The idea is we're going to get out of our comfort zone just a little bit. I'm going to close today with a quote from this book. This is how he ends this chapter called A Light in the Wilderness. He says, We can't move the noonday sun to light the paths for others. But we can, and we should, bring our own individual light to them. We don't need to do big earth-shattering things to help another move forward, but we can do small things. A kind word, gentle encouragement, a helping hand, a phone call, an act of forgiveness or reconciliation. These things may seem like small gestures, but they are reflections of the life-giving light of the sun itself, and they will invariably guide wanderers onto a greater path. Let us pray. There is one power and one presence, one, one goodness. Uh, you know, through the ages, it's been called Allah, it's been called God, it's been called Jehovah. I simply call it God, but by any name, it represents all that there is. All peoples everywhere, 
the physical nature of the universe. God truly is everything. And I know that includes the love, the light, the joy, the peace. Everything that I could ever set my sights on are within that one power that is God. And so I claim it on this day. I claim for myself that illumination, that willingness on my part to step outside my comfort zone and participate fully in this grand thing called life. I set my light out on a, on a standard for all to see, giving away as much of myself, giving away as much of my, my time and my joy and my talent and my goodness, giving it away entirely if I can, knowing that that's really how I get everything. Knowing that as I give, I receive. Knowing that my definition of self just gets bigger as I give it away. And as it is true for me, I know without question that it is that, that potential for everyone in this room to become that salt of the earth, to represent the, the light of wisdom and joy and peace in this world, and to do it, to do it in, in a magnificent way, to truly, truly shine. And for this, for this I am so grateful. I recognize in God that all things are possible that God simply says yes when we put our intentions forward. And so on this day, my intentions are love, are light, are that givingness and compassion of spirit. I let it be, and together we say, and so it is. Thank you for being here today. So glad you were here. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and to make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at www.pcsl.us slash donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.